Listeners, morning, Good morning. Or afternoon, Let's do or this. evening, whenever Let's you're listening. <laughs> well, it is a Monday. I, I don't know the date exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Can why. I just go into yelling at you? I mean, yes, I'm not going to yell at you. I just want to yell for you, maybe. Okay. I don't know. So I finished the book you recommended, Into the Woods, or maybe it's In the Woods. Is that it? I think it's In the Woods by Tana French. The writing is impeccable. She's an incredible writer. But it was like, it was 20, 21 hours was the audio. That's how long the audio was that I invested in this book. You committed. This isn't romance, right? What? This isn't romance? Uh, no. And I thought it might be. <laughs> and that was definitely not the case. So when I read it, you know, it's beautifully written. But so like the blurb, and this isn't spoiling anything, the blurb says that this little boy is found in the woods without his friends. Like he, three kids go in the woods, one comes out and he's got blood all over him and no memory of what happens. That is never resolved. <laughs> That's in the blurb. It's in the blurb. And then you never find out what happens. Like I can't I'm, remember I can't remember that book. I've read probably six of her books since I read that particular one. Yeah. I but I, all of her books kind of end like with this really so do we tell her then what we're talking about Tana French? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. yeah, Tana French. All, also this is the Read Me Romance podcast. Oh, yeah. But we're ta- that's but that too. That's like that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Yeah, it, her books kind of like they end with like a really almost eerie, unsettled feeling, mm-hmm. as if almost there's something slightly magical about it, or like slightly paranormal about it. Like something there's other forces at play. Yeah, to me it feels like, and it's never supposed to be a logical conclusion or a logical answer. And I really should have told you that in advance before you committed twenty one yeah. hours. Dude, I'm just I just say, really love the writing. Come- the writing makes me feel so like. I don't know, like I'm in it and I'm just, mm-hmm. I just, I would know. definitely, I was immersed in it and I loved the girl that was in the book. So there, it's about a guy and he's a detective and, you know, he's trying to help solve this case. And it turns out that this new case may have something to do with his, the case that he was involved in as a child. And so I kept wondering if there was going to be like this love connection between him and his partner. And then he just turns into, like, this raging, like, alcoholic lunatic at the end. And it's just, like, and then it just ends. And I was, like, oh, man, that sucks. Like, it was so incredibly written. But I think, for me, I just wanted more of a conclusion. But I will say, like, she she was an awesome writer. Like, I felt really immersed into it. In long books like that, I do that. I- I'm shocked that Alexa Riley wanted like ten epilogues. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> uh, no, I wanted. Some, there was no epilogue. Shocking. There wasn't even one. <laughs> I kept waiting for them to like throw in an epilogue or something. I was watching the time and I was like, "There's an hour left. Something's got to happen. There's twenty minutes left. Something's got to happen. Two minutes. Come on!" <laughs> like you know, I'm like rooting for something to pop up and this to be resolved, and it wasn't. And I was like, you know, I can see one. You know, someone would be really into these books because she is such an awesome writer. And I felt so in the story. But for me, I was like, I just I was wanting to know if there was more, like if there was another book or something I missed or I was like, I need a follow up. 
So. They do, like, some of the characters do pop up in different books. Yeah. Like, characters you'll see in the background, like some of the detectives or some of the other partners and stuff like that, but they never really continue. There's just, like, the kind of the alcoholic who shows up in one scene is kind of, like, how the other characters pop up in each other's stories. Like, yeah. you don't like them. You're not necessarily supposed to like the main characters, I think, in her books, too, oh, which is, like, I, I such a departure well, from romance. Is. And I was, like, I'm listening to it, and I'm, like, the way he talks to women and a lot of the the way the story was written about women i was just like god i hate these people they're awful <laughs> and like it but it's very emotionally charged and i get that a lot of people love that about reading you know to be like emotionally on a roller coaster and, and taken for a drive but i was listening to last week's podcast i said i was like oh well, i started it so i was like i wanted to follow up and say that i did finish it and now moved on to the audio of my favorite murder because it's, it's the the people that wrote it, Karen and George, it's them narrating it with Paul yeah. Giamatti. Which Paul is really Giamatti. <laughs> so, but you went to the book thing, and I haven't asked you one single thing about it because I wanted to wait till we were recording. So tell me everything from the trip to New York. Because you went with Jill, right? Well, it wasn't like really a trip for me. It was about 45 minute drive yeah. into the okay. city. But okay. Jill Kate, yeah, we met, my friend uh, Jill and I met in the city. We stayed at this really cute boutique hotel called the Kimpton Muse. And like, it was a, it was like a, adorable. It was just like weird lighting, like pink lighting and funky carpet and like an al- like an old fashioned alarm clock and like Andy Warhol prints and stuff. It was so fun. I'm just like intentionally delaying any men- <laughs> mention of <laughs> the show uh-huh. itself. But it was like a magical night. Like it rained and like we ran, we had to run from the restaurant to the show in the rain through Times Square, which was kind of cool. And I usually hate Times Square, but in the rain, it was really cool. So the show was, it was really, it was nothing like their other shows at all. So explain it to me what happened. Like you go in and is it like a regular show where you just go and you sit down and they come out on stage? Yeah. Is It was in a theater? It was in a really small, it's like we were only like 10 rows away from the stage. Oh, shit. Yeah. Just by luck of like whatever queue we ended up in and the tickets, but yeah. for the tickets. It was like, it's a really small, intimate theater. I've been there for a couple of concerts. I saw Regina Spector there a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. a couple of other shows. But yeah, it was not like any of their regular live shows. They didn't talk about murder at all. There was no like, stay sexy and don't get murdered. None, none of that. It was oh, like wow. a really stuffy... <laughs> Kind of dry New York Times reporter. Oh, wow. Who's also cute, but stuffy and dry because he's a New York Times reporter. He moderated it. And he basi- they basically just read passages from the books. They talked about the writing process. Karen cried on stage. <laughs> and then I feel like the whole audience started crying. It was just... She started talking about her mother's Alzheimer's. And yeah. if you... I don't know how, where you are in the book, but there's a passage about what that's like and how yeah, it feels. Yeah, she reads that on the audiobook. She reads yeah. it live, the that whole chapter. Have you have you listened to the audiobook? Not yet, no. Okay, I have yeah. it downloaded. It's like I'm I'm a few chapters in, but it's the it's the one on her mother's um Alzheimer's. It's that and, shark analogy. Yeah, I, yeah. You know what and I'm talking she, about? She read it live. I don't know what show she was at, but she read the whole chapter live and that's that's the section they play in the book. On the audiobook, is her reading it uh, live, and she cries when when she does this. Really sweet. It's yeah. It's it was it was like an emotional. I just felt like I didn't move like a muscle for two hours, and they actually went over by an hour. Oh wow! Like, I think it was only supposed to be an hour long, and then Vince came out on stage, and yeah. he was like, 
we are an hour over. <laughs> you have oh, to wow. come. And then they Get just got up and stage. left. <laughs> like, oh, wow, really? Yeah. So it was, I thought it was fantastic. So you know? how did they do like the books and stuff? Could you just buy them there? We got a free one with our ticket. Okay. And I was like, <laughs> so I go, I got to get one for Leah. I said, can I, like, I'm going to go out and come back in and get, like, in another door and get another one. And, and then I realized they were scanning our tickets before they handed us the book. So they would have been able to see. But then I, I saw there was just a whole table full of them. They were selling for, like, whatever, $20 a piece. Oh, so. thank you. You sent it's me okay. a text. I, I'll and, bill you. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> Add it to the bill. You uh, you sent me a text and you were like, I got you a signed copy. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> you did. And, I was like, and Jill was like, she said, fuck you. And I was like, yeah, it's just, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I really she, do. I was just like, fuck you. That's all I said. And then a minute later, I was like, I'll say thank you. And I hope you're having a terrible time. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fantastic. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Good. And then yesterday, speaking of true crime, I I went to BookCon in New York City. I had my own stuff. Like I did a signing in an event and stuff like that. But then I looked it up. And I was like, maybe there's somebody I want to see, like an author that I want to go get an autograph for. And then I see Billy Jensen is signing. That's awesome. And I was like, what? I was like, no way. I said, it's going to be packed. I got to go now. So I left like my house at eight o'clock in the morning. And if you guys don't know who Billy Jensen is, he's a true crime author slash reporter, investigator. He has a Murder Squad podcast, and he also helped finish I'll Be Gone in the Dark, the book, when Michelle McNamara died. There was no line. There was, like, two people there. And I was like, I like, could see he kind of, like, disappointed when he showed up because he... That's, like, my worst nightmare. I know, right? It happened to him. Yeah. Holy and shit. And I... And I thought it was going to be a panel where he was answering questions. So when I found out I had to go up to the table and talk to him, I was like, oh, no, I'm backing out. <laughs> the girls behind me, I was like, I'm not doing this. And then I realized that's how, like, readers feel Aww. when they have to come up to our table. I was like, forget it. I'm not going. <laughs> I never thought about that. That's true. I was so nervous. And, like, he's not very verb. Like, he's kind of, I'd say in real life, he's probably not, like, he's not very talkative or friendly. He's kind of, like, intense. Yeah. Well, he's seen some shit. He's seen some shit. Yeah. And his book is called Chase Darkness With Me. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a little dark on the dark side. Whereas, like, I just chatter and chatter and just ramble to fill this, you know, to, like, silence. Yeah. get people comfortable. <laughs> he didn't do that at all. Oh, and so wow. I was like, love the podcast silence big fan silence it was like very <laughs> awkward you know and i was just like this is my nightmare stab oh, me now this is cringe oh my god i love it <laughs> but i i was like all right well the girls behind me were murderinos and so they took pictures for me and they were sweet that was nice it was fine did you tell them we have a read me romance podcast <laughs> i told a lot of people actually oh, a book on a couple of lady listeners came to say hi oh no I was gonna ask you too if they had any, if there was any there that showed up. So that's cool. They weren't even gonna tell me. Like it was almost an offhanded thing when they were walking away. Like, oh, I love the podcast. By the way, I love the podcast. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait, you're a podcast lady. Listen, stop. Talk, stop. Talk, Talk about to my me. baby. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like we said, this is the Read Me Romance podcast, and yeah, let's do that and get that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> we're here for Lauren Smith this week. This is our first historical romance. I'm so excited. I love this cover. It's so beautiful. It's super hot, um, super, well, it's hot, but it's also just, like, it felt like... It's romantic. It made me want to read histor more historical romance again. Like, I feel like I've been missing it. It's been a while, yeah. yeah. So, USA Today bestselling author Lauren Smith is an Oklahoma attorney by day, author by night. 
who pens adventurous and edgy romance stories by the light of her smartphone flashlight app. She knew she was destined to be a romance writer when she attempted to rewrite the entire Titanic movie just to save Jack from drowning. I love that. so sweet. (laughs) Connecting with readers by writing emotionally moving, realistic, and sexy romances, no matter what time period, is is her passion. Yeah, so Lauren Smith writes, she doesn't just write historical. historical. She also writes paranormal and a little bit, I think some some uh, contemporary as well. So I really like this. This is my first book from her, The Duke's Twin. I enjoyed the shit out of it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, there was like really good interpersonal relationships between the brothers and the sisters and it made me comfortable. Like I didn't feel at any time like there was going to be <laughs> something something that happened that would make me sad or angry. <laughs> it's just like very nice to have read you, this book. Have you written a historical before? No. No. Would you write one? I don't know. Like I'll I feel you, like I don't Man want... made me want to do it. When you when I read your Renaissance Man, it really made me want to do it cuz that was such a good twist and that's on the podcast in season one. 1. Yeah, season 1 Tess's book Week 2. <laughs> yeah, week 2. So go grab that and listen to it. It's also an ebook if you haven't. But it's like it's a modern day like kind of historical, and I just thought that was such a great way to enjoy that because I'm not I for I don't know if I could write it, you know, a historical and make it make it fun. Maybe. Yeah, I was actually at a panel this weekend where like Tessa Dare was talking mm-hmm. and um, Sabrina Jeffries and like Sarah McLean. So they're all historical romance authors and the research the amount of research they do you guys would never be able to do it because you wouldn't be able to write a book every two weeks (laughs) you'd have to like take a week off to research no we're out (laughs) no um but yeah that you know i would do it except like the thought of having to get all those clothes off the woman i'm like it has to slow down the passion (laughs) and the momentum Really? That's so weird you said that. Sometimes I won't put, like, pants on women. It's always dresses. They always like, have to wear a skirt because you be just want to hike it up and get it in there, <laughs> yeah. you know? It makes it easier. But they had no problem, that in this book. <laughs> you found a way to get the... To drop the hand, as my husband would say. Mm-hmm. Well, I like, I've read a couple of old historicals, and I can't recall them right now, but I remember reading them, and they were just very, very demure. Like, there wasn't a ton of, like, overt sex in them. And one of the ones I read, and it was recommended to me on Amazon, and I remember being mad at Amazon for, like, a week, because it was one I read the whole thing, and there was no sex in it. And I was like, what is this? I got to the end, and it was nothing. I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> it's like phases of historicals. It's like one day you just like accidentally fall back into it and you're like, I forgot how much I loved yeah. this. And then you like binge for like two months mm-hmm. and then you're out of it again and then you'll come back. Well, yeah. Was, the only time we've written anything that was semi historical was like that. It was, we had the, we did uh, till the death. The trope thing? Yeah, till death do us trope. That was just ridiculous. And that was so <laughs> over the top and so fun. Like his name was the Duke of England. she had a dance off oh yeah there was there was like a at one point there's a dance he was like how do we settle this and he's like a dance off it's just it's so stupid (laughs) but it was a ton of fun to write like it wasn't making fun of it it was actually just having fun with it you know I i didn't want people to think like you know we were poking at it we were just really having the best time because we started it as a weekly mail thing so like every week if you signed up for our email list you would get a chapter a week for like three months you'd get and you'd get a book for free from us by the end of it but we do like one day a, one chap one day a week we'd give you a chapter 
And so each chapter kind of had to be, like, exciting. So each chapter would be silly and fun and over the top. And then, so if you put, we put the whole books together and it's available on Amazon. But if you read it, like, front to back, it's so over the top. Like, I don't know. It's always so bad if you just sit down and I read know, it all at like, once. I think you have this? to read that chapter by chapter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <And laughs> you never got a chance to read that one, Death to Death, Death to Less Trope. Well, and I like I said, out. we just did it and we released it pretty quick. It was like in January, the first of January or something like two years ago, I think. The cover, I absolutely fell over dead when Mel showed it to me. I think we even showed it to you, Tessa. <laughs> you showed it to me at a signing. Yeah. It was probably Philadelphia, the signing we were yep. talking about earlier. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. We had it and like, we just said, you know, we want it to be really old historical. Like we want it to be, you know, sexy. This is the picture. Go for it. And they sent it back to us and Mel was like, oh my God. It looks super old school. Yeah. She showed it to me and I like fell over. That's my favorite thing about historicals is the covers. There's those old Harlequins with all the, like, rip bodice ones. Oh, my God. I think it's because it, like, takes you back. Yeah. Those are my favorite covers. There's somebody on Instagram I follow that that's what they post up old romance covers, and they have them, like, framed in their house or something. I'd have to look and see who it was. But it's beautiful. It's these old, beautiful Harlequin pictures or whatever, like, those old stories and they're framed up around their office it's so pretty and I was just like oh my god I'd love to do that (laughs) I just have to explain that to my kids but (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I have us down for to do our we'll do our historical recommendations on Friday okay I'll think about it till but I want to know about camping you went camping this weekend with your daughter oh my god so I am still so sleepy (laughs) It, it was great. So we camp at this, it's kind of, it's not a state park, but it's a park. It's about 40 minutes from where I live. And um, there's a lot of stuff to do there. They have like a nature center and then they have like this park park that everybody can go to where they have like paddle boats and they have carousel and a little train that goes around the park. And then they have a splash pad and putt putt. So they have several things we can do. So we camp on one side of it and it's the Girl Scout camps. And they have little cabins and stuff. And then we do that at night. And then during the day, we go to the park and we do all the activities. And we come back again at night. So we stay two nights. and But it was so fun and so sweet. And the girls have such a good time. You know, they learn how to, you know, make a fire and cook, you know, at Kim while you're camping. And we go on nature hikes. And they, you know, learn how to do, like, survival stuff, too, you know, which is really cool. But, you know, there's also so much drama with kids from age, you know, kindergarten That's what I want to hear. I want to hear about the drama. Because like- gr- girls do this thing where they just immediately divide and conquer. Like, they make camps, like, where, you know, they just turn into groups, like, yeah. immediately. And, it's, and they don't try – they try not to, like, pit each other, like, in a battle, like, pit against – yeah. you know like fight each other <laughs> but- well, it's like I felt like they just they emotionally feed off each other so it's not even like I didn't notice it like clicks or anything because they all really know each other and you know we've we've been to camp together before and it's not our troop leader does a really good job of breaking them up in different cabins so it's not like you don't get the you know click sort of things and there's not really enough time for that to happen I think maybe if it was a week long it would be that way but It's just, like, 
somebody was like, I miss my, you know, grandpa that died like five years ago, you know, or something when they were like four. It's like they just pull these emotional things out of the back of their head and then they want to just focus on them. And then all of a sudden everybody's got a stomach ache and everybody wants to get out of bed. And it's like 11 o'clock, you know, and we're like, yeah. shut up, go to sleep. <laughs> like, I don't care. Shut up. <laughs> so, yeah. But it was like, you know, they're, they, a lot of them, this is really one of the few trips that they get to do through the summer. So, you know, we try to make it fun and exciting. And so it's like, there's, I think they're emotionally drained while they're like, they're tired. You know, they're, they've been doing stuff all day. All their friends are there. They're hype, hype, hype all day long. And when it comes to go to bed, they just like completely melt apart. And yeah. So that was, that was interesting. (laughs) So, and then one kid had this gigantic fear of bugs, even the tiniest bug. And I was like, why are you out? Why are you outdoors? Why are you here? Why did you sign up for this? You should have taken gymnastics. Oh my God, right? (laughs) Like, this is not the place for you. Because, I mean, she would just scream at the top of her lungs when she would see like a beetle, like a tiny beetle in the, in the cabin. And I'm like, that's the one you can see, baby. Okay? <laughs> Imagine what you're not seeing. You're like, just so you know, there's like literally thousands of dust mites in mm-hmm. your sheets and in your yeah. bed. Like, yeah. you, they're right. just crawling all over yeah. you. And you can't even see them. Like, you know, so oh, beetle. Like, oh, honey, a roach is going to crawl in your ear while you sleep. Just let it go. <laughs> you eat three spiders a year. Did you know that? Uh, I thought it was eight. So I don't I'm happy. Three's an improvement. <laughs> But no, like it was, it's, it's actually a really awesome bonding time for my daughter and I, because we have such a good time together and we sing songs and, you know, we sit around the campfire and make s'mores. Oh my God. Listen. So one of the um, girls that was there named Brooklyn, cause I'm going to give this girl credit, Brooklyn, you are amazing. <laughs> Is it spelled with two N's? No, it's spelled <laughs> like the city. So she came up with the awesome idea to to roast a marshmallow and instead of the chocolate and graham cracker to use thin mint cookies oh <gasps> whoa game, game changer. changer oh my god listen we were all because i bought i brought a box of thin mints because we're girl scouts we have to have the cookies so i brought a box and we were just uh, we only had a few so everybody was like okay one bite here one bite here you know we're all like trying to <laughs> share and get a bite but it was like the thin mint cookie with the melted marshmallow holy fuck it was so fucking good because it's like a graham a chocolate graham cracker and it's got the chocolate on the outside that melts with the marshmallow and then you get the little mint taste on it too like it's so you didn't add the chocolate you just did the the marshmallow no just it was that'd be too much yeah i think you could but it would be really hard to eat i think because the cookies are small yeah but yeah no just this because the thin mints are thin mints here that the other bakery their thin mints are like a Oreo cookie where there's no chocolate on the outside. Ours are coated in chocolate. So when you put the thin mint cookies with a marshmallow, the chocolate melts a little bit with it. Yes. I mean, I can talk about this for 10 minutes if you want. <laughs> it was so fucking good. That was definitely like the highlight of the weekend was discover. Like Brooklyn said, she was like, you know what would be good? Use thin mints. And I was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, I was like, that's it. You win the camping award badge. <laughs> well, oh what'd God. you do this weekend? I didn't do anything this weekend, did I? No, I didn't do anything. All we did was we had horrible weather. Yeah, we wait, you, you were like in the eye. I had a lot of people emailing asking me about um, if you were safe from the tornadoes. Oh, the tornado. That's right. That happened right before I left. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I'm glad to see you we survived. S- 
(laughs) (laughs) I know. Everybody panics. I think it was a big storm. There was debris in my yard from people. The tornado passed us by. I could see it from the back porch. But we know, like... I knew an hour almost before it was coming, didn't I, Leah? Yeah, it was I a while. I was texting you guys. I was like, I've got time. Where do you She's take like, Yeah, cover? just sit around. <laughs> well, we all have basements here. Yeah. Like, my mom has a panic room thingy downstairs. It's all bunkered up. And then I would just, I went down into my basement, into one of the back rooms. Because basements here are, like, full-out basements. Like, there's multiple rooms and bathrooms and stuff like that. But as long as you're down in the basement... You're good. But, like, I think at the movie Twister, where they had to, like, mm-hmm. belt themselves to a pipe. Yeah. So that the tornado <laughs> well, no, would suck them in. When the tornado generally comes by, it's swoosh. So if you've got, like, three stories to your house, it's pretty quick moving. So it just grabs the stuff that's right there on top. And if you're all the way down at the bottom, you'll be all right. I've never seen one, like, now that you said tornado or said Twister, I remember that. But I've never... They were. I don't remember it ever being like that, and I've been like in a tornado yeah, before, like like in in, and it wasn't like that. It was just well, they like were just in a barn. they weren't like down below. They were just in a barn. Yeah. Oh, you're right. They weren't like yeah. underground. Yes. Oh, yeah. If you were in a barn, yes, you cannot just be in a barn. You have to be underground with concrete around you, and you need levels above you. That way, like I said, it grabs the levels above you and keeps moving. Where were your kids at? Were they down there with you? Like we were all just chilling in the back room. Like even when you go to build a house, sometimes you're like, this is the tornado room. And a little bit, if you go down further south, they have like full down shelters down in their garages. Like you go down into the floor. I got, I saw Godzilla this weekend. Godzilla (laughs) King of Monsters. Speaking of destruction. How was it? Was it good? It was just what it was, you know. What I mean, <laughs> like I, yeah. I went, it was one of those things where I got to the movie theater and there was like a group of moms there with their kids and I, you know, going to the movies and yeah. I was like, oh hey, like oh like you're here and I'm here and we're not together. But like, it was so yeah. one of those. Awkward I've never things. done that. Never it was like a that. mini birthday party, but like good thing it was for it was like the boys in Mackenzie's all the boys in Mackenzie's class. But yeah. I know all those moms, you know. Yeah. But they're getting to this age now where they don't want to invite the whole class. It's like it's very divided. It's boys or oh. girls. Oh, okay. Or you just have the the moms' email addresses and you only invite like who your you kid likes, a, yeah. I guess. Um, it's not like how it used to be where it would just be you just send invitations into the teacher and everybody would show up on the date, you know. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of miss that. Oh, that's so But Godzilla sad. was okay. Wait, you wait, do you have that still? It's still like that with you? Yeah. The whole I class? Mean, I don't, yeah. Well, we just invite the whole class, but I don't know if it's still like that. When is, when is your daughter's birthday? Is it in the summertime? It's July 15th. Yeah, July 15th. I think it's different when you have a kid in the summer versus when you have them in, in the school year. Because Lydia's is, is in March, and so, like... Her class is in session, so if she has a birthday party, she's telling all her friends, you know? Right, yeah. She's seeing them every single day. But my youngest daughter, her birthday is in July, too, and it's like, oh, who are we going to ask? You know, like, you have to think about it. (laughs) I think it generally it stops around middle school. Here at middle school, they don't hand out invitations anymore. They're, like, all texting each other. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, Godzilla was okay, it, it, but the plot was, like, like Endgame. The plot was... So, basically, the 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 this woman decides that she wants to unleash the Titans to, like, balance the overpopulation. So, it was, like, 
She was like Thanos, but in a different movie. Uh, I was just okay. thinking that. Yeah, it's just like the, it was the end game plot. And so I was like, and so all these people die, and then, and, but at the end, like the main characters are happy. So I guess it doesn't matter that like millions of people died Shit. because of these monsters. I don't know. Well, that's fucked up. Yeah. Well, don't they have to release him? I think it's an interesting theory of a movie because you have to release. The demon sometimes to kill the other demon. Yeah. 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 Like one evil for another. Did you see Aladdin? Did I did. Guys, did you like it? I loved it. Oh, that's so you good. D- you didn't like I it? I haven't seen it yet. No, I haven't seen it yet. So, the, okay. So the opening scene is almost shot for shot, like the cartoon. So like mm-hmm. Aladdin going through the marketplace, running from the guys who are trying to like arrest him for stealing. And it's almost exactly shot for shot. And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to hate this. It's because yeah. it's it felt awkward. It didn't feel like it just felt like almost they just he was reenacting the cartoon, yeah. whatever. As soon as the genie shows up, it goes up like to another level. And I I loved every second of it. Aww, I just thought it was fantastic. Bet. There was Bollywood dancing and yeah. like, you know that kind of style of dancing. And the I think I, I can't actually remember how the cartoon movie ends. But in this one, there's a tw- like I think there's a twist because she I don't want to ruin it for okay, everybody. But, but she has it. more of a she has more depth and more of like yeah. a goal in her life, yeah, you know. Yeah. And she has like her own song that she sings throughout Aww. the movie. And so I liked that they really made mm-hmm. Jasmine kind of more of a central character. And- well, I like that when they did the live action with Beauty and the Beast. I like that there was more of a story with Beast. And in the end, it was a little similar, but there was also, I felt like there was more depth to the, to both of them, to Belle and the Beast, about what they wanted in life and stuff. And I do like that maybe they're, you know, trying to lead towards more movies where they give them, you know, more real, not realistic expectations, but, you know, there's more to life than just falling in love, I guess, for a girl. Yeah. You know, for yeah. for girls to see that it was great. Like I, I, I'm not ru- I don't, I don't want to ruin the ending. Well, so. then don't. I'm not going to say anything. Well, I finally watched <laughs> Captain Marvel last night. Oh, it finally came on DVD. So I, you know, I talked about I'm going to watch all the Marvel movies. So I watched Captain America first, and they said the second movie to watch chronologically it was Captain America and then Captain Marvel. So I watched Captain Marvel last night, and it was really good. I liked it. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was really good. Did you love the soundtrack? Of course. That was the best part. So I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, you know, Samuel L. Jackson's his character come back around for something? And Kevin was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. going to be around. And, like, he did the same thing where he laughed at me. And I'm like, I haven't seen any of these, so fuck you. <laughs> oh, so innocent. I know. But he, like, gets his eye scratched out, and he was like, you see? And I was like, what? That was hilarious. And he was like, that's how it happens. I was like, that's how what happens. Oh, no. And and he was like, and he's like, you haven't watched these. He's like, you don't know. Like, I guess he had a patch for a long time and it was never explained. He does. He has yeah. an eye patch, yeah, going like, forward at this point, yeah. Well, I was like, well, there you go. I didn't need to see the other ones because now I know the story from the beginning. Like, you're supposed to. It was fun for us who we didn't know to see it. We're like, oh. oh. <laughs> in such a silly way, he got it, too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so the narrator thing. for this book, The Duke's Twin, is Shane East. And like this is if you haven't heard Shane East narrate a book, like this is take a moment because this is the like part of your life where you haven't heard Shane East yet. <laughs> like this is your before. <laughs> and then after it'll be you're at like your life will be forever changed. Cause he, especially if he's gonna 
I assume he's going to be talking in a British accent here. What? And he, yeah, because well, it takes place in like Victorian England, so I don't even know if that's right or not. It's England in the old times. <laughs> I don't know what the time up. period is oh called. Oh my god, you just made that up. Yeah, well, so ask me again if I'm going to write a historical. Obviously not. Okay, so yeah, Shane East narrates this, and and there's a female narrator. Shit, that I don't, I didn't write it down. Oh god. Okay, I'll find it while we're doing while we're taking our little break here. But this is the Duke's Twin by Lauren Smith, and yeah, I guess we will just talk to you guys on the other side. Sound good? Sounds good. Yeah, we don't want to keep them from Shane East. Okay, enjoy. Bye. Bye. Chapter 1. England. May 1821. Miles, you must save me. Miles Beresford folded down the edges of his newspaper and met the harried gaze of his twin brother, Justin, who was standing in the doorway of Miles's study. No matter that they'd grown up together as children, it still shocked him to come face to face with Justin, given how much they looked alike. Though they'd been born only minutes apart, were mirror images of each other, their temperaments couldn't have been more different. Justin, the elder, was all decency and goodness. A fair man, a pleasant man. Miles, on the other hand, he snickered at the thought of how anyone would describe him. Unruly, a bounder, a rogue, devilish. He was even known to make matchmaking mamas faint dead away when he walked into a ballroom. None could deny he had a good head for business, and any decent Englishman respected someone who was good at business. Save you, brother. What have you gone and done now? Save a house of orphans who now want you to adopt them all? Rescue a nest of kittens from a tree, and now they live under your bed, keeping you up with their cries? Carry a pretty young damsel miles in the rain after she twisted her ankle, and now she wants to marry you? Justin frowned his dark brown eyes holding no glint of their usual humour at Miles's teasing. I'm quite serious, Miles. I need your help. It was normal for Miles to tease his brother about being such a stand-up gentleman. Justin was the eldest brother, the Duke of Wiltshire. They both bore the name of Beresford, but when their father had passed on five years ago, Justin had become the Duke, and therefore everyone but Miles called him Lord Wiltshire, or, if they were very close friends, just Wiltshire. Is it serious, then? If his sensible brother truly needed rescuing of some kind, then that was sure to be genuine trouble. He raised a brow and waited for his brother to elaborate. Usually Miles was the one who needed saving, which meant, unfortunately, that he owed his brother a favour, or, more accurately, several dozen. He'd lost count over the years. Such was the price of being the rogue of the family and not the gentleman. Justin shifted restlessly on his feet. I have guests arriving shortly. At Wiltshire Manor? Miles asked. As a duke, Justin often hosted house parties, but he rarely needed rescuing from them. He was the perfect sort of man to host a delightful dinner, a musical gala, or even a vigorous fox hunt. This made Miles infinitely curious as to what sort of guests would strike fear in the heart of his sociable and likable brother. The look of consternation upon his face filled Miles with curiosity. He set the paper down on his desk and leaned forward. The study in which they sat was quiet, the only sound being the tick of the clock on the mantel above the fireplace. Miles may have been a rogue, but he kept his estate, Beresford House, 
orderly and comfortable, even if it was a bachelor residence. More often than not, Justin would ride over from Wiltshire Manor in the morning, and the two of them would share breakfast and catch each other up on news. Justin, why do you need saving? Seeing as you are the one who invited them, you ought to be able to deal with them. You know I'm not a good guest. I find myself rather bored with innocent young ladies. Now, if it's a lusty widow you need distracted, I'd be more than happy to oblige. Well, it does involve a few ladies coming to the house, and I do need your help with them. But no lusty widows, I'm afraid. Justin raked a hand through his dark hair, mussing it. Miles tended to keep his hair a little longer than was fashionable, if only to turn heads and cause scandal. Oh, no. The last time you asked me to seduce a woman to keep her out of your way, I almost ended up leg-shackled to Freddie Ponsonby's little sister. Do you have any idea what that would have done to a man like me? Married to that little red-headed creature? She was far too quiet for my tastes, and her brother is a notorious dandy. Can't have one of those in the family. Dreadful bore. Last dinner we were at, he spent the entire meal discussing the cut of one's waistcoat and the style of folding one's cravat. Are you done complaining? I'm more than happy to remind you that you owe me, little brother. There was a hint of humour in his brother's eyes that hadn't been there before. It reminded Miles of when they were lads, and Justin had raged about some scheme or another that had gotten them in trouble, a scheme Miles had usually come up with and Justin had been obliging enough to join in. Yet each time they'd been caught, Justin's eyes would twinkle, and he'd find a way to evade both their parents' displeasure and their punishment. There are some things I won't do for any man, not even you. Miles attempted to return his attention to his paper, but Justin leaned forward and shoved the paper down. Miles, don't make me beg. Anxiety darkened Justin's eyes, stirring a worry in Miles. When had his brother ever had to beg for help? Never. That alone meant it was serious. He sat up in the wing-back chair he'd been lounging in. Very well. What must I do? Justin's face relaxed, and he took the chair opposite Miles. The manor house is in need of a solid fortune to keep it up. I've fallen behind on paying the debts father left me with. Miles's fingers crushed the paper he'd been holding. How long? His brother hadn't told him that their childhood home was in dire financial straits. Miles swallowed down the bitter taste in his mouth. They were brothers. He should have shared this with them. Miles had inherited a smaller estate, Beresford House, which had no debts, and he'd made his own comfortable fortune since then. He'd always assumed Justin had been able to do the same. It seemed he hadn't. But what hurt him was that he hadn't come to Miles for help when he should have. Justin's dark brows drew together. I know I should have told you about the debts. A pulse of anger stirred inside Miles. Yes, by God, you should have. We're brothers, Justin. These are exactly the kinds of things you ask your brother to help you with. Justin gave an apologetic nod of his head. I'm sorry, Miles. I didn't have the courage to admit to you that I was failing in my duties. Justin paused. That is why I've been considering marrying an heiress, to secure Wiltshire Manor's future. Miles rose from his chair and stared at his brother. You aren't failing. Father left the manor house with debts. 
Few men would have luck paying them down on their own. But you should have come to me. I could have advised you on investments. Now you intend to throw away your happiness and marry for money. Whatever happened to marrying for love? You always believed in that. Marrying for love, or marrying at all, was something Miles had never thought much about. He and his twin were now thirty-four years old, well past the time most men married. But as a duke, Justin had a duty to marry and produce the next Duke of Wiltshire. Justin had always proclaimed he would marry for love, and now that hope was being dashed because Justin had fallen prey to pride. Don't look at me like that, Miles. I am ready to settle down once I find the right woman. The estate needs every penny of whatever my future wife will bring to the marriage. I'm working the tenants as much as I can, but we need more to square off what is still owed to father's creditors. Justin scrubbed a hand over his jaw and then finally met Miles's gaze. Miles frowned. Their father had frequented gambling hells far too often not to have dented the family's coffers. The last five years had been an exercise in both grief and panic, as they adjusted to life as a duke and a duke's brother. How much do you need? I'm happy to give it to you. Miles didn't want Justin marrying the first woman he encountered with a large dowry and accounts at Drummond's. Just because Miles didn't believe in love didn't mean he would let his brother sacrifice that dream. You know I won't take money from you, and the debt is too great for us to share it, Justin said. Besides, as I've said, the help I need involves guests at Wiltshire for the next week. Ah, yes, the mysterious guests, Miles mused. Well, don't leave me in suspense. Out with it. Justin relaxed a little, his old confidence returning. When I was in London last week, I was introduced to a man named Mr. Livingston. He's quite well off and has two unwed daughters. One is rumoured to be a great beauty and has just come out. So you've invited the two heiresses here this weekend? The comely one and the other. Tell me this other one isn't anything like Pepper Ponsonby. Miles prayed he wouldn't spend the entire week running from a marriage trap. No, nothing like Miss Ponsonby. Lydia and Rebecca are, I'm told, quite lovely ladies in both disposition and manner. Lydia is the younger and prettier one. Not that I chose her because of her looks. I haven't seen either of the women yet. It's just... His brother struggled for words. When I spoke with their father, his eyes lit up when he talked about Lydia. She's intelligent, beautiful, able to run a large household, and she enjoys society as I do. I need that in a wife, someone who will competently handle the duties of a duchess. On that, Miles had to agree. A duke needed a wife with a very particular set of skills and a social personality. And what of the other daughter? Did the father talk about her? Miles was curious to know what sort of lady he would no doubt be in charge of somehow. Of course. Rebecca is quiet and sweet-natured. Sounds dreadful. She's not, I assure you. Say you'll help me, Miles. It was hard to resist his twin's pleading. That didn't mean he had to sound eager to do so. Very well. I shall endeavor to help. What part must I play in your scheme, then? Justin's face reddened, a sign of guilt if there ever was one. Well, 
I want us to switch places like we did as boys. That way I will be able to meet both ladies and discover which one suits me best, without my title influencing their affections. I'm fairly certain I shall wish to marry Lydia, but I don't want her to be aware of my preference until I am certain. I want a wife who wants me for me, not one who wants the title of Duchess. We must stay switched the entire time in order for my idea to work. The idea was amusing. Miles would credit his brother that much. So I am to play the first-born brother and become the Duke of Wiltshire, and you will play the humble Miles Beresford? Justin quirked an eyebrow. Humble? Incredibly humble, Miles joked. But what happens should the ladies fall for the wrong brother? They're likely to both fall in love with me. I'm the better brother after all, with or without a title. Justin chuckled. Such humility. Besides, since when would you risk being leg-shackled? I doubt you'd do anything to put your bachelorhood at risk. You must simply be charming, but not too charming. I know you, Miles. Your rakish reputation will likely have the young ladies and their mother in fits. So do be kind to my lovely guests. No heartbreaking, especially since you'll be playing me. Very well. I'll play the gentleman. You'd better, Justin said. Miles grinned. My role shall be easy, but what of you? You will be forced to play me, said Rakehell. What will the poor innocent lambs think of that? They'll think that for the first time, Miles Beresford is on his best behavior. When I play you, I shall be a gentleman above reproach. <laughs> How very dull, brother, Miles said with a laugh. You know, being a bit wicked might do you and the young lady you desire some good. Justin smiled. Perhaps, but it's my duty to be good. A duty indeed. A duty that Miles would be forced to endure for an entire week. A young footman appeared in the doorway. Your Grace, I have received a message from Wiltshire Manor. Your guests will arrive in a few hours. Thank you. Justin nodded at the footman who then disappeared from view, leaving the brothers alone. Now then, I suppose it's time for you to become the Duke, brother, Justin said with a grin. A grim smile settled on Miles's face as he followed his brother outside. Bloody hell, what the devil have I gotten myself into? Hey, we're back. Hey. Welcome. So it's after. <laughs> so it's after. So now now you've heard the magic of Shaney's voice. You're going to have to go see everything he's ever done ever. <laughs> I actually looked him up just to get an idea of like how many audiobooks he has and who he's narrated. And I would say to start with Emma Chase, if you're going to, she writes fantastic books to begin with, but she's also kind of an audiobook queen. So mm. Shane East narrated her Royal series and... I, I would definitely highly recommend those because, again, he's talking in a British accent. <laughs> and uh, they play princes. Uh, the the heroes are like princes. Like, I think it's based on like William and Harry, maybe even. So Ooh. I did. I read the first book in that series and I have the rest on my on my Kindle. But I would be there for that. Yeah. OK, so the first book in Lauren Smith's League of Rogues, it's a steamy historical romance series, kind of like the Duke's twin. It's 99 cents right now. It's called Wicked Designs. We'll put 
We'll put the link for that in the um, in the episode description. And she also has a paranormal series, a sexy paranormal Russian dragon shifters. I'm like, here for that. Who's fucking here for that? Me. Um, yes. The series is called Brothers of Ash and Fire, and I would definitely, definitely check that one out. Are they, the are, first book is called Gridborn. Yeah. Okay. All, I think all of these are in audio. Okay. Yeah, she's got a lot of books. We'll just talk about them throughout the week, but those are the two that I would definitely recommend picking up ASAP. And she's doing a giveaway where 20 readers are going to win a print or an ebook of their choice from her backlist. So that's a huge amazing giveaway and it's open internationally so head to readmeromance.com go to the current audiobook and enter to win that's awesome yeah also this week is uh out is uh her rival's touch by katie robert a read me romance author and pretty prize by ella goody is on kindle unlimited and 99 cents is that did i pronounce her last name right because i say good in my head but then i just said goody out loud yeah i think it's goody okay goody Goody That's how you. I say it. <laughs> I it was good. I don't know. I thought uh, maybe was, I'm wrong. I thought it I was good. I don't know. I don't know. But that is part of the Pretty uh, Woman series, which one comes out every week all month with Ruby Dixon. We had one come out last week, Pretty Virgin. Mm-hmm. You have Pretty Human, Pretty Darling, Pretty Bride. There's a bunch. It's going to be awesome. Yes. Tomorrow is Fix Her Up Bird. Oh, yeah. Fix Her Up comes out tomorrow. That's my book. It's um, my birthday. And if too. you pre-order, yeah. don't forget if you pre-order, it comes to your Kindle at like eleven. Yes. If you want to get a head start. Yes. And if you might have time to still register the pre-order too to get the free ebook uh, that I wrote with a bunch of happily ever afters with my my past characters. So uh yeah, Fixer Up is out tomorrow. I'm super excited about it. A bunch of people that I saw this weekend had read advanced copies of it and they were like telling me how much they loved it. So Hopefully everybody else does too. We'll let's see. Talk about my birthday tomorrow too. Let's talk. Oh about yes, that. my yeah. Let's talk about it. What are you doing? Oh, I'm going to Orlando. I just feel like I feel oh. like your book shouldn't overshadow my day. And that's, no, that's all I want you to know. Okay. No, well, we're finishing with the most important part of the oh, okay. of the day. Of course. Yeah, your birthday. <laughs> Tomorrow's actually my husband's birthday, but in like real time. Oh, like okay. we're talking about you in the future. Yes. My husband says tomorrow. Oh. What are you going to do for him? What are you getting them? Got him some reef flip-flops with like a bottle opener on the bottom. Oh my God. (laughs) My husband has those. And some cool, and some like new board shorts for summer. Oh, cool. Yeah. But I mean like a week later is Father's Day. So I feel like I have to kind of like temper expectations. That's true. I can't just get him one really good gift Mm -hmm. and then next week's shit. So mediocre gifts both times. (laughs) 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 Gotta balance it out. Okay. So we'll be back tomorrow with more of the Duke's Twin by Lauren Smith. And in the meantime, Leah, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. It's Monday. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind.